This is David Rhymes, and you're listening to Foot Notable, a podcast where we discover the truth is in the details. Well, Orrin, here we are again, and I got to tell you, even before you open your mouth, I know you sound <laughs> awesome. First of all, that song was cool. All right, like we got a new intro song. So for those of you that don't like it, tough. We like it. Yeah, please, we, please don't turn it off because you're like, this is not, this is no, not footnotable. It, is it foot notable. really is footnotable. Two point oh, footnotable two point Yeah, right. But uh, we do sound a little better, a little clearer, a little I crisper. I hope so. Um, and that is because we have upgraded our studio setup. Um, from just a computer and a couple of, uh, or really just one USB mic to a very nice um, setup here in our studio. And I am thrilled and excited to be using this new equipment. Yeah, we've been waiting for, for months yeah. for this to come in with all the COVID. Everything is in mm-hmm. back order. And it came in in two different shipments. Mm-hmm. Three different shipments. That's right. That's it right. was three. Yeah, was that's three. right. So we got a really good deal. This is a, a set that you can buy for podcasting and a bunch of other things. And the price we found back in May, I guess, yeah. was much lower than you'd like seen. Several else. hundred dollars. So we jumped on it. The problem was it was back ordered by this one company. And yeah. We just got the last pieces in last Thursday or Friday. I yeah, last week. And so we are ready to go. And I hope you guys are enjoying the fine quality. We can't speak of the quality of the content, but the That's audio the quality. The audio That's, quality should be better than that hasn't than changed. Yeah. That hasn't changed at all. <laughs> so, but anyway, all that aside, yes. we still have one more episode to do one for more. our Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity. And and so I, we're going to jump into that. I couldn't be that. that we're done with this series. It's been it's been it's a drag. been a good so, series. Yeah, right. I just, I don't but know. it does get redundant in how we have had to address the same arguments, mm-hmm. the same logical fallacies yes. over and over again. Yes. And so again, we have tried our best to be gracious with some of the approaches that Gully has taken, but I always prefer yeah. a disagreement over the interpretation of a particular passage of scripture, something that two people can look at and go, okay, this is how I'm reading this. This is how I'm reading this. Let's talk about it. What we're doing here is much broader. It's philosophical. It's right. worldview based, and it's just harder to it's, really. It's it's what to you think, how right. you see things, right. how you process. What are the big questions that you are trying to answer in your life? Yeah, it's a different deal, Absolutely. but it's an important conversation, and I'm glad we've had it. But we have come to the end. Yes, number ten. ten. And so, my question, as we kind of get segued into this, Orrin, mm-hmm. when you were a kid, yeah, did you ever have to be Oh, exposed to the world of soap operas. Did you have like a, like a parent? I have a, aunt? a story. I have a story about Do this. You? So yes, I did. I know uh, there was some of it was watched at some point. But let me tell you a crazy story. When yeah. I was in tenth grade, I contracted mononucleosis the end of my tenth grade year, and so I missed the last six weeks of school. Okay. And I was pretty sick for about ten days, and then it kind of lingered for about several weeks, but. I got hooked on Days of Our Lives. Days of Our Lives. I was a 15-year-old, laid up on the couch yeah. all day, and I started watching Days of Our Lives every day. I couldn't miss it. For the whole summer, I watched this show. You were, you were zoned in. Here's crazy. I went back to school, and I dropped it. I didn't watch it again. When I got to college, Dave, if you remember in college, there was a whole crew of people that would gather I do in, remember Con- that. in Cottingham Hall, Correct. and they would watch Days of Our Lives. Yes. I remember walking in my freshman year, walking in the door, looking at the TV going, 
it's been two and a half years and that that show has not changed one bit. I knew yeah. the characters, I knew the storylines, right. and nothing had changed. The timeline had advanced a full fifteen yes, minutes. Exactly, exactly. In in two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of us, if you're a Gen Xer, especially in the end boomers, mm-hmm. you grew up around Soap operas, the stories, man. Stories, you gotta catch the stories. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The silent generation that they, they called them their stories, mm-hmm. and some folks just loved them. They ate them up. It was a big deal. One in particular was one life to live. One life to live. One life to live. Yes. It was on the air for forty eight years. Yeah, it, right. it ended its run back in two thousand and twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, one life to live. A story about. Two very rich white families mm-hmm. living in a so-called small town USA, mm-hmm. where nobody worked, everybody was beautiful, and drama ensued. Reality, right? It's reality. It's real <laughs> life. But people ate it up. Sure. But the whole idea of one life to live—this is all you got. Make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Do what you got to do because this is it. And when you're dead, you're done. At least that's what gully that's right would have us believe it was a good ride it was a good we ride did the best we could I mean, and amen. so for gully and many progressives their sort of final what they feel is a nail in the coffin of orthodox christianity is this whole insistence on an afterlife and how the afterlife plays into the um the worship of church the teaching of the church the the day-to-day life of christians and so Gully would argue that, look, we really should be focusing more on this life mm-hmm. with all of its suffering and pain, doing something about it, rather than just having our heads in the clouds and the sweet by and by and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, again, he's taken two things that don't have to be separated right. and pushed them as far from each other as he possibly can. Yep. This world, he sees, is way more important than the afterlife. That's the title of the of the next chapter, the final chapter of his book, This Life. If if the church were Christian, again, that that snarky sort of a sarcastic approach, if the church were Christian, this life would be more important than the afterlife. And so the points he tries to make in this book about emphasizing um, the the value and the importance of this life, this side of heaven so to speak, I don't necessarily disagree with. What I disagree with is him trying to make less of the afterlife, the next life, over this one. Again, like like you just said, they're not two separate things. We have to pick one or the other. They're tied inseparably together by God's design. And his approach, his philosophical approach to this theology is just broken. And so we have to now come back and read this and go, okay, there's a better way for us to approach this, the earthly versus the eternal, so to speak. Like, how do we deal with both right. of those truths and those realities as, without having to separate them from one another? And I'm sure Gully, like a lot of the other Ten Commandments that we've addressed, has had some bad experiences. Sure. He's observed some things that really are not healthy as, uh, from as, a spiritual— As we have. Yeah, we have too. Sure, absolutely. Where, where people get just overly obsessed with the thought of the afterlife, um, even— really taking a very unbiblical view of the afterlife. Yeah. And they're not obsessed with the actual biblical afterlife. They're obsessed with a caricature right. of that afterlife. Right. And that just spins off into a whole different other slew of things. 
and it does really just seem silly and kind of like a waste of good thinking. Absolutely. When you really look at that subculture within Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so I can totally see where Gullion would say, just based on that observation alone, that, yeah, this, this may not be the best use of our time or our energy when we've got bigger problems right here Absolutely. in front of our, our faces. But again, he's ignoring what the Bible actually teaches about the afterlife. Right. And he's ignoring the fact that a lot of people do believe properly mm-hmm. concerning the afterlife in the church. Mm-hmm. And they also care a great deal about Absolutely. life in this world Absolutely. at the same time. And so we have to have answers for how we understand that. So is there an over emphasis or obsession with the afterlife in some Christian circles? Yes, of course. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, the old saying is don't be of so heavenly minded. You are of no earthly good. That's true of some people. They can't wait for this life to be over. They only work on, they'll think about the next life. Right. I'm going to go up. I'm going to get my wings. Yep. I'm going to get my halo, my harp, my harp yeah. and my get lazy away. boy, my lazy boy cloud to, to kick back in. Get away from this world. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And then you have the other side of, of folks who really pay no real attention to the afterlife, and they only emphasize what's happening here and now. But for the, I would say for the vast majority of Christians that I know, it's not one or the other. Mm-hmm. They're concerned about both. And so like you said earlier, again, this is a caricature. What, what Gully's doing is he's using a few examples from his own experience to paint a caricature of, of the church's obsession, so to speak, with the afterlife. And really what it boils down to is heaven and hell and judgment. And right. that the gospel for you and I, and for many conservative Christians out there, the gospel is the the message of heaven. It's the glory of God in the person of Christ doing the work of salvation. Gully wants to circumvent that and just talk about all the good we must be doing in this world. And let's not pay so much attention about what happens after you die. Right, because Gully's beef really isn't heaven. No, no, it's His hell. His beef yeah, is hell. Yeah. But it's, you're going to die. Right, right? so you're going to die. Yeah. So it's a whole lot easier just to chunk both of them mm-hmm. rather than have to deal with right. the two. Right, because it becomes a very inconvenient position if you can if you only believe in heaven but don't believe in hell. Because you have to deal with it. It's in the Bible. You have to deal yeah. with the afterlife both in life and in death, both in judgment and in blessing. You have to deal with both of those. You take both of them. I would rather you just come out and say you don't believe in either one than just say you lean toward one but not the other. No, no, you take both as they are, and let's deal with it responsibly based on what the Scriptures teach us. Yeah, because nobody likes the idea of hell. Right. If we're just going to get down and honest with it, it's just a horrifying thought as we think of it in our popular culture these days. And so if we don't know how to think about it biblically, understand it biblically, it, it does sound like... You've got some just mean, vindictive God up there who's just angry. waiting. He's angry. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. not just angry. He's sadistic. Yeah. And he's just waiting to deal so harshly mm-hmm. and unfairly with people. Yeah, he can't wait to get even with everybody. Exactly. Yeah. 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 He's, he's the punisher, you know, from the from the from the comics, you know, who just goes after and deals out their form, his form of, of vengeance right. and justice on everyone. And it's, it's just kill and kill some more. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of their view of God in hell. Right. And so I would, I'd shrink away from that as well. I, I have some questions yeah. about what kind of God this is that yeah. has that outlook on the afterlife, mm-hmm. but I can't make that jive with what I read in right. scripture. Exactly. 
And look, when you speak to most people, whether they're Christians or not, most people who believe in some form of the afterlife all believe that they're going to go to the good place, whatever that is, right? They all believe they're going to get in. No, you never talk to people and they say, if you go to heaven or hell when you die, what, what, what's going to happen? They go, I'm probably going to go to hell. Like very few people believe. Yeah, there are some that will just fess up. Sure. But it's not many. Not many, no, yeah. no. And so most people believe that whatever that afterlife is, they believe they're going there because they're basically a good person. And that, of course, that, that's a bit of a different discussion. But the point is, people are still thinking about this. They still think about what happens when you when your mortal body Dies. Yeah, this is a major question for all cultures. It is. We, we are recognized the fact that we're living in a physical world. Mm-hmm. We see birth and death all around us, not just in, in we as humans, but we see it in all other life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the question is very natural. Well, what happens next? Yeah. And so this is not something that religion created. Right. Now, heaven and hell do exist. Yes. God created these, but he's put in each and every one of us this natural understanding that there's something after this life Mm -hmm. and that's on purpose. Absolutely. If if it was just created by religion somewhere along the way with all the religious beliefs and various, various worldviews you have in the world, somebody's going to have no concept of an afterlife sure. and we just don't find it. Yeah. But we still find it all over the world, all, over the world. all the cultures. Yeah. And, and so our job is to look at the source of truth, the, the scriptures and try to understand both the value of this life and the value of the afterlife or the next life. We don't pit them against one another. We understand them together as, as part of our entire being. We live now and we will live again later. And, and what we don't want to do is ignore the reality we live in today only for the sake of heaven, nor do we want to only focus on today and just ignore heaven. We want to balance both of these things together, which is what Gully does not seek to do in his book. He wants us to, to live more for this world than for the next. And what I would say is, okay, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean that we should be more concerned about what's happening in this life and not worry about the next life when it appears that so many people are worried about the next life. How mm-hmm. do we, how do we help them balance that right. as Christians? Cause I believe we have the answers from the scriptures that can help people balance those two weighty subjects. Yeah. It's important that we do find that balance yeah. because what you don't want is a gospel that particularly Western uh, culture mm-hmm. is unfortunately big on a gospel that. A lot of times does ignore right. the here and now. Mm-hmm. You know, you come to Jesus so that you can be saved right. and go to heaven. Right. And so the space of life between be saved and go to heaven is ignored. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do the best you can. Just do the best it's you can. Really and so that, it's, yeah. it's a very moralistic approach to the gospel. Sure. And you export that out into the countries, particularly where there is a lot of poverty, suffering, war, disease, and you're trying to tell people about this wonderful Jesus, this wonderful savior. Mm-hmm. And that if you just embrace him, you know, he'll, he'll save you and you get to go to heaven when you die. Mm-hmm. Well, their first thought is, well, what about now and, and tomorrow? Yeah, sure. And a lot of times there's not a good answer for that. For people that have kind of been raised and indoctrinated in that form of gospel, the answer typically is, well, just pray and have faith and God will just carry you through. Right. Now, should we pray and have faith and have faith? We'll Absolutely. We'll got here. Sure. Those are all true, yeah. but you've just ignored the fact that what that person asked you mm-hmm. 
weighs so much more in their heart and mind than you and I mm-hmm. as honestly very wealthy Westerners compared right. to the rest of the world exactly. that we can even imagine mm-hmm. like the power goes out on occasion for an hour during a bad storm and we kind of maybe get bent out of shape. Mm-hmm. Well, they may not even have power at all. Yeah. You know, we miss a meal or we're late to get lunch about 30 minutes. Right. Well, oh, I'm so hungry. Well, maybe they've gone without food yeah. for a few days mm-hmm. and just had just meager morsels. Maybe their world is, is just torn up by war. Yeah. And they're just caught up in the middle of it. They're watching their children uh, die of disease that they can't do anything about because there's no medicine or the doctor and medical cares. Uh, they're not adequate. And so the here and now is important. Absolutely. So Gully is raising a good, a good question. Again, he's defaulting to lean heavy on one side rather than talk about the other and bring the two and see where they actually do merge. Right, absolutely. So his his perspective on this is not Christ centered. No. Because Jesus talked about this life and the next life. He talks about it a good bit. Yes. He says to love your neighbors and your enemies, to care for the poor, to visit the sick. He also said, I go to prepare a place for you, that when I return, I will bring you to be where I am. So Jesus says both things in equal weight because they both matter to Jesus. We don't exchange one for the other. So the reason that we care about poverty and about war and about homelessness and about justice is because we care about heaven. We believe the afterlife will be perfect in all of these areas. Jesus said to pray for God to bring heaven to earth in some form or fashion. Our responsibility then as Christians is to be less man-focused on the, on, the, on the situation and more Christ-focused on how we alleviate these things with the gospel out front. We talked about this a few weeks ago. You can give a man a bottle of water, and he will, he will quench his thirst for a time. But he will be thirsty again because he's a mortal being with desire, the need for water. But if you give him Christ, the gospel, he will never thirst again. While his body may be thirsty, his soul will be refreshed constantly in the Lord. One day then, when his body dies, he will know the the result of that everlasting fountain of Christ. That's the goal. The goal is to have both in fullness as much as we can. We can't trade again. We can't trade away heaven just so we can meet physical needs here on earth. But it doesn't mean that those physical needs don't matter to the Lord. They do. Because we care about the, the, the judgment, the afterlife, heaven, hell, we care about those things. We don't want the hungry man to go to hell. We don't want the, start, the, the thirsty man to go to hell. We don't want the naked man to go to hell. We can clothe them and feed them and give them water, but we want them to know the Lord. That's what we do as Christians. We have both, and I think that is the, the goal of the Christian life, is to introduce people to Jesus while you're meeting them where they are. And So it's the, both, it's the horizontal effect of the gospel because the vertical effect has had such an impact on our, on our lives. Right. When we think about this thing that you're— just kind of broke down for us, mm-hmm. meeting needs with eternity in mind. Gully's approach to this is so short-sighted. Yes. Meet needs, absolutely. So you'll find people all over the world that yeah, sure. are spiritual, not spiritual at all, very passionate about meeting needs. And they spend a lot of time, resources, a lot of effort into helping others. And you know what? Great. There are some wonderful uh, charities, nonprofits around the world that do some very good things. But here's the deal. If 
I'm laying the gospel approach to meeting needs beside the progressive approach to meeting needs. The gospel approach goes way further Mm -hmm. than the progressive does. Much deeper. Much deeper. And so the progressive's approach is, like most secular groups, this is all of life that there is. Mm -hmm. So today, your bellies can be filled. Today, you can have clothes on your back. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, maybe we'll come back and maybe we'll give the food and the clothes again. The gospel approach says, you know what? You do need your bellies filled. Mm -hmm. You do need clothes on your back. These are serious issues, and we want to help those. But this is not the ultimate issue. In fact, the ultimate problem has led to these issues. And so we want to address this in not just your life, but the life of your family, Mm -hmm. your whole community. Because maybe if we can understand this, we can understand it the way the Bible presents it mm-hmm. and understand what Christ has done and how we are to live, then we can begin to break some of these cycles yes. that created the hunger and the right. nakedness and right. the thirst to eat us, the thirst to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a better solution. Well, I mean, if you look at it, if you're being completely objective, mm-hmm. you you have to go, well, yes, this is deeper than this. And I know someone will come back and argue, say, no, 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 there are some great programs that do long-term help. Sure. I agree. There how, are some programs. How, how, how long-term? Yeah, exactly. How, how long-term? Permanently, permanently. Just for this life. Right. Right. And, and honestly, having, you know, me being someone that has had a lot of exposure to this, living and serving overseas, mm-hmm. typically the help that's offered does not go past one generation. The best help I've ever seen may last for a generation. Mm-hmm. It never gets passed on right. because why? It doesn't have eternity in mind. Okay. It was a it was a man-made solution mm-hmm. to a sin-made problem. Therefore, it cannot sustain itself. And it's limited to our ability to meet that need. That's exactly right. Whereas the spiritual need to overcome yeah. sin and to put us in fellowship with God which is what heaven is. Heaven is relationship with the Father, unbroken forever. That's the goal of why we do these things. We care about our neighbors. We want them to be filled. We care about these earthly matters because we want men and women to have fellowship with God today, knowing that that glimpse we have of that now will be finally fulfilled one day, and all the faith that we have today will become sight whenever we're with the Lord. That that's where, and this is one of the things I think we brought this up before. I, we've talked about so many things in this podcast over the last few weeks, but Gully never really mentions at any point a relationship with the Lord, right? Like he 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 talks about the things that Jesus has commanded us to do about loving others and caring for others, which we should, but he never really talks about having a living relationship with Jesus. But that passage again, I quoted earlier in John fourteen. Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's talking about the afterlife. And where I'm going, I'm building you these rooms, these many, many rooms in my father's house. And when I return, I will take you to bring you with me so that you can be where I am. Because the purpose of the cross was to redeem the sinner to be in relationship with Jesus. So why would we shortchange any neighbor or friend who is hungry, thirsty, naked, whatever it may be, 
Why would we shortchange them by not giving them that hope? Now, look, let me, let me just be clear. Gully talks about hope. He says he doesn't want to disregard the afterlife. While I caution against an overemphasis on the afterlife, he says, I don't wish to diminish the importance of hope. There are moments when life is so difficult that too, that too long for an afterlife of bliss is understandable. Sure, because again, we talked about this. Everybody longs for deliverance from this life. So we have to tell them how. We have to tell them how we get delivered from this life. And we're not going to see it this side of heaven. We're not going to be released from the curse of sin completely this side of heaven. Yeah, we're not released from the curse of sin, but we can begin to get a yes, taste of heaven. That's exactly what we're doing. We're 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 eating the appetizers before the meal. We're yeah. we're eating snacks before the full course eternal dinner, the 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 the, the marriage supper of the Lamb that we talk about in Revelation. Gully's approach starts off taking the right step to help a neighbor understand how to make the most of this life. We should live our lives very well. We see this all the time when we do funerals for for Christian men and women, and we get emotional because we miss them, because we miss their witness, their testimony. But for every single one of those people that I've done a funeral for, they had a vision for heaven. They had a glimpse of glory that they wanted for their lives, which motivated them to live holy lives this side of heaven. That's why I often tell people, and I say this a lot in the, in, in the pulpit especially, Jesus did not die to get you into heaven. Jesus died to make you holy, to fit you for heaven, right? Heaven is the reward for a life well lived. But we have to look to that reward as something that's worth living for. When you ignore it or pretend like it doesn't matter as much as the earthly needs we have, you're, you're, you're shortchanging, you're discounting the people you're trying to reach with the gospel, which again, Gully doesn't seem to make a big emphasis on. The gospel is not a, a factor here. It's all about how you live your life for the sake of your neighbor. But God made us to be worshipers, and the ways that we worship God are, are many. Song, scripture, worship with other believers, serving your neighbor, that's all forms of, of worship, I believe. You, you're expressing your love for the Lord. Why? Because that's what you will do forever in his presence in heaven. We cannot ignore that reality to meet temporary needs here on earth. Exactly. Yeah, Gully's argument on this is a little bit sideways on a, on a lot of areas. And we've talked about how it is definitely man-focused rather than Christ-focused. But it also gets into this whole moral ambiguity mm -hmm. that the progressive church seems to have. There's, there's just this lack of why any of this matters. Right. And so it, there's this, there's this cherry picking mm -hmm. about what we should and shouldn't be doing. And so Gully wants us to insist just do good, do good. Like Jesus did good. Right. That's, that's what it's all about. But again, he gives us no foundation for that whatsoever. Right. And okay. Why should we, why should we even care? If this is all the life, let's just take the atheistic argument. Yeah. If this is, if there's no reason to this life, there's no pattern, there's no organization, there's no design, somebody's grumbling belly half a world away is not my problem. Right. Because right. it doesn't matter. Right. You know, probably it's more uh, merciful to just let them die than suffer 
bouts of hunger for the rest of their, their lives. Mm-hmm. Because why? This is all there is. So deal with all there is. Why have any sense of charity right. or moral obligation to anyone else? And so Gully wants to make everybody moral agents mm-hmm. of good because Jesus did good. Well, okay, so what why? What, to what end? Again, we compare the two and go, this progressive argument falls so short it and it's it's so just empty you know it's like eating it's like eating chinese food sorry chinese folks yeah, i mean it's so about, good it's so good i'm talking about buffets oh not, sure. not your real chinese food yeah but you know you go gobble up a, pl- a few plates of uh, you know taos chicken and mm-hmm. by the time you get to your car you're like did i even eat anything yeah, i'm hungry again where's the yeah, yeah. and this is what this, this this argument is like it seems so satisfying yeah let's do good mm-hmm. You can get people riled up around do good mm-hmm. all day long, but to what end? What have you actually done? And, and if Gully were to argue, well, that's because Jesus was what Jesus has commanded us to do. Well, first of all, let's go back to your first chapter where you don't believe Jesus is God. So if he's not God, what authority does he have to tell me what to do anyway? Right. Right. But let's say I take his word seriously. Why should I care about these things that he's commanded me to do unless there are consequences if I don't? If I live unfaithfully and disobediently to the ways he's commanded me, well, there's judgment. There's judgment. Jesus expects me to do these moral, ethical things for the sake of my neighbor because that's what he saved me to do. There's judgment waiting if I do or don't do those things. He's clear on that as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you brought this point up, and let me let me read this paragraph because uh, this sort of exposes a little bit of, about, about Gully's lack of perspective here. While afterlife imagery can be comforting when life grows difficult— it becomes unhelpful when our dreams and visions of an alternate world so dominate our minds and priorities that we are unable to live well and fully in this world. Now, to pause here, is that a possibility that we could do that? Sure. Oh, sure. You could always look more toward heaven and less toward earth, and you become no use to God here on earth, yeah. right? Matters of, this is what he says, matters of injustice and suffering, which should claim our full attention. I would say, I would argue, no, Jesus should claim your full attention Matters of justice follow that. Matters of justice follow that because you love the Lord. Those things are dismissed as inconsequential and unimportant, since in the words of the old gospel tune, "This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through." Okay, well, this world isn't my home. The Bible's clear on that. I'm an exile. I'm an alien in this world, and I am just passing through. But I'm supposed to be doing something while I'm passing through. That is what Gully's trying to get at. He's just ignoring the reality that I'm just passing through. Right? Why should I care about injustice and suffering in this world? Unless there's a Lord who made a place for me with him forever who cares about those things as well. And I want to be where he is because he is the supreme focus and love of my life, not the 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 the, the ethical, moral issues that people are facing today. Yeah, you have to have an end that you're going towards. Right. And so this is one of I think this is really kind of a, a backdoor argument to dismiss the afterlife because if it's all about just doing good, like Jesus did good, then what does salvation even matter? What are you being saved for and to? And so if you're not really being saved for anything to anything, then you don't really need a concept of an afterlife. Exactly. Cause it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Cause it didn't matter that you were saved in the first place. Exactly. Cause it makes you no different than the person who wasn't saved. And so I, again, it's it's not a satisfactory argument because it's so terribly 
short-sighted. But like a lot of progressives, when they get into these talks about morality and this is important and we have to do these things, Gully seems awfully certain about the fact that there is no hell, we must do good, but he also wants to try to, at the same time, out of the other corner of his mouth, talk as if he's some sort of humble man who goes, well, we really just can't know. Right. Well, which is it? Are you certain or are you uncertain about these things? Don't, don't claim uncertainty as an argument for dismissing the biblical concept of afterlife and then be dogmatic that hell doesn't exist. Exactly. That's exactly. a statement of certainty. Right. So either you know or you don't know. And both of those must be based on something. So you put a couple of quotes in here. Let me read them. Yeah. The uncertain argument. I've not yet arrived at a definitive understanding of God, and I don't suspect I ever will. That's that's Gully's quote. The certain quote. I decided not to invest any effort in saving people's souls from a hell I didn't believe in. So he's certain that no one's going to hell, that God's going to save all people eventually, somewhere, yeah. somehow. And apparently everyone's going to, to be in heaven one day or, or in some sort of form of, of peace, fellowship. Um, it's hard to tell what exactly he believes about that. But yet he hasn't arrived at a full understanding of God and don't suspect that he ever will. Yeah, somehow he put together a, a theology <laughs> that states that God will save everybody. So look, what do you know about God, Gully? I mean, what I'm is not it? Sure. What I'm is not sure. it? Yeah. Okay, then don't tell me. Yeah. What that you, God, that what God's going to act this right. way if you're just not sure. Exactly. Like I know God's not going to send people to hell, yeah. but I can tell you for sure. And I'm not trying to be mean. I, no, I mean, no. seriously, it's just look. If we want to have a conversation about these things, have some conviction across yeah. the board. Yeah. All right. Just just be honest. Mm-hmm. Be honest about what you believe. Be honest about what you don't believe. Don't try to play as if you're some sort of, you know, wandering person on a journey and I just don't know and we're just going to all figure it out. Look, you either know or you don't know. Yeah. And if you don't know, then you go seek for truth. Exactly, yes. And if you know, then you then must point to the truth on which that knowledge like is based. You're accountable for telling people yeah. the truth because that's what God saved you right. for. So so a few years ago when uh, when – uh, crazy man Rob Bell wrote his book about about uh, love wins. Love, love wins. There is no hell. At least he was honest about what he believed. He just drew a line. He said, "I don't believe that God's going right. to send anybody to hell. Eventually, God's love is going to win every soul over to Him." And I, I, I'm assuming, including the Mussolini's and the Hitlers and the Stalins as well. Sure. At least, at, at least Bell drew a line and said, "This is where I am on this." He, he got he got hammered by all the theologians, right. but he took a stand. What Gully's doing is he's trying to straddle the line. Going, he wants well, his cake and he wants to eat yeah, it too. And it's just, listen, I understand what he wants. He wants people not to be afraid to follow Jesus because they're afraid they're going to be judged for how they live their lives. But the reality is everyone's going to be judged for how they live their lives. Yeah. The Bible's clear on that. And, and, and so what do we do to help them understand how to enter into the judgment of life rather than the judgment of death? They have to know Christ. So the gospel then becomes the primary message of the church. If we do a lot of good things and do not give people the hope of eternity, what good have we done for them really? Would they not resent us for giving them all the food, water, clothing they ever needed, but never gave them the message of eternal life? How would you feel, right, if there was a vault full of gold, there was plenty of it to go around to everybody, 
and you're in line, and he's giving you quarters instead. Here's some quarters. This gold is for everybody, but I'm not going to give it to right. you. I'm just going to give you a few pennies, a few dimes, a few nickels every time you come by. But you find out that there was plenty for everybody to have. Wouldn't you feel betrayed? Wouldn't you feel resentful toward that person? Of course. Why would we not expose people to the beauties of heaven, the glories of eternity, where there will be no more pain and no more suffering and no more hunger and no more thirst and no more arguing about theology? It will be settled once and for all. Why not give people that opportunity, at the least, to hear that message and respond to it? It matters. It matters eternally, which is why we both preach the gospel and serve our neighbors. Jesus cared about this. Jesus himself said there's going to be a resurrection of the living and of the dead, right? The dead will be sent to hell. The living will be granted heaven. That's that's the truth. And that makes sense to people because that's what the Bible teaches us. That's what Jesus himself taught. And so what I find hard to swallow is we take Jesus's moral teachings on how to treat our neighbor, which I believe are true, but yet God ignores the eternal teachings of Jesus as though they don't really matter or don't matter as much when they both matter equally. They're both serious. They both have eternal significance. And so my encouragement to listeners is consider both of these things as important in the eyes of the Lord. Jesus cares about how you serve your neighbor and how you love your neighbor and how you love your enemies and that you should not hold bitterness or resentment or or content or or not 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 contentment, but contempt in your heart toward your neighbor. That should not be who you are. You should be gentle and kind and loving and serving of your neighbor. Why? Because you know that the Lord of glory, who left his throne in the presence of the Father and of the Spirit and came to earth to show us how to live our lives ethically, mor- morally well, because he knows that there's a life for us beyond this world. Both of these things matter. If we don't do both, then we're not living a Christ-centered, gospel-focused life. That's what Jesus wants for us. And if we don't do that, we're being disobedient. And that that's on us. That ultimately falls on us. But we should never apologize for believing in a life after this one. It's not some fairy tale that just makes us feel better about our existence here. It matters. It matters forever. Yeah, it does because it completes the message of the cross. Yep. And people need to hear that. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, you know, earlier in the podcast that yes, there have been some missteps in how people have approached the, the, the afterlife and sure. heaven and hell and mm-hmm. things like that. We have responsibility to reclaim those mm-hmm. in our, our churches with our folks so that they do understand because yes, we do have people that love the Lord a lot but they only live for this life. Why? Because they've been given a weird, wacky version of clouds and angels and, and halos mm-hmm. of heaven. They go, that does not appeal to me one right. bit. So apparently the only fulfillment and enjoyment I'm ever going to get out of this life is here mm-hmm. with my family and my friends and the community and relationships that I get to enjoy because this weird disembodied existence mm-hmm. We're, we're just going to sing all the time yeah. and do nothing else. Man, how awful is that? Right. I mean, I, I can remember going uh, and hearing, uh, you know, people t- uh, teaching on this and preaching on this, you know, revivals and things like that and watching a little, uh, you know, VHS <laughs> stick in oh, there, sure. oh, yeah. like, you know, you know, youth and whatever. Yeah. 
um, you watch these deals and people talk about this is what heaven's going to be like. And I was like, that sounds awful. Yeah, sure. And I really was conflicted mm-hmm. because I didn't like what I was being told by some, again, you know, I, I learned better, thankfully, you know, from my parents, mm-hmm. but the other voices in the culture around me were also very loud yeah. and they had a, a different view and it didn't sound very appealing to me. And when I learned what it was really like, you know, best as best we can tell from scripture, I was like, oh, well, this makes sense then. The whole Christian life suddenly comes into a better focus. Yes. And so we do need to help people. You know, one reason why believers today that do love the Lord mm-hmm. don't do some of the things that Gully insists that we should do as a church right. comes back to what they believe or don't believe about heaven and hell. Yeah. And once you get that correct and biblical, it's going to start working on every aspect of your life. It's going to work on your marriage. Yep. If you're married, mm-hmm. it's going, you're going to parent in light of eternity. I mean, how many parents right now, Christian parents look at their child as either a brother or sister in Christ or a potential brother and sister in Christ. Right. Very few parents do. Mm-hmm. That's my child. Mm-hmm. That's that. Even once they do become a Christian, Mm -hmm. they don't look at them within the context of their relationship as brother or sister in Christ. That's the eternal relationship. Yes. The relationship of father, son, father, daughter is going to go away. The relationship of husband and wife is going to, at some point, go away in the new heaven and the new earth. Mm -hmm. But the relation of brother and sister in Christ is always going to be there. Yep. We get to have that now. And so when we do that, we begin to look at not just our family relationships differently. We begin to look at everybody else differently mm-hmm. in the church, mm-hmm. outside the church. Because why? Now, eternity is not just some ethereal experience where we're just kind of wafting around in, in, yeah, in nothingness. In, yeah. in nothingness. Yeah, sure. It is... This is kind of like dress rehearsal yeah. for what is to come in the new heaven and the new earth. And all of a sudden it matters mm-hmm. the relationships I have with those that are in the body of Christ. And it matters that people are living in this world and have had zero taste of what that's like. Exactly. And it compels me to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because now eternity matters yeah. just as much as this life does. Absolutely. And if there, if 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 Gully's argument were to hold, and he's not concerned about the afterlife because there's nothing to worry about, then all you have is this life. So sure, make the most of you can, what you can here. But again, why should I care about doing all these good things if all I have is this life? Let's make like 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 you started the podcast before. Let's just get the most we can for ourselves. Forget everybody else. If there's no afterlife, there's no resurrection of Christ. Who is he to tell me what I can and can't do with my life? I do whatever I can. But if there is an afterlife, there are consequences. There's also blessings, like you just mentioned. When you look with at earth with a heavenly perspective, knowing what's coming, you want to make the most of your world here and now. You enjoy food better. You could rest better. You, your friendships are deeper, especially your Christian friendships, because you have a kinship with that person that will last literally forever. There's some people in this life, let's be honest, they're brothers and sisters, but we don't want to spend too many days with them this side of heaven. We're going to spend many days with them 
on the other side, but also with billions and billions of other believers through all time, we'll get to fellowship with them in the presence of God in a real physical space. It's not going to be up in the sky. I believe there's going to be a physical heaven. It's going to be a physical earth. In fact, that physical earth will be heaven. We will have bodies, resurrected bodies, perfect and flawless. And the scars of Jesus will remain forever. We will see the nail prints, the nail scars in his hands, his feet, his side, his head. We will see those scars and we will know how it is that we came to live in that eternal, forever, blessed place. That is because of Christ. That's the message we have. That's the message we share. I don't believe in an afterlife because I need hope in this world. I believe in the next life because Jesus said there is one. That gives me hope. It's not that I need to feel better about my existence and somehow I need to escape from my reality. Oh, one day it'll get better. We'll be floating around and everything will be pain-free. No, no, no. I believe in heaven because Jesus tells me there's a place that he prepared for me. Right. I want to be where my Savior is. That's why I do the things he commands me to do now, or at least I try, with a lot of repentance and a lot of grace on, 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 his, on his part toward me. I want to do those things because I know that I will live in fellowship with him forever. That motivates me to be the person that he died for me to be. That's what this is about. Ignoring heaven doesn't get you that. It gets you a temporary, pointless existence, really. But if we're serving our neighbors and friends, it's because of the relationship we have with our Lord. That's what really matters. Without a doubt. Yeah. And so that's kind of a final word on this to our listeners. Mm -hmm. Both of these do matter. And if you find yourself maybe leaning towards one side or the other recently, or maybe for a long time, um, I, I hope this discussion has, has really helped you out mm -hmm. because we don't want people to err on one side or the other. Both of these matters. We have to help hold them in balance and live this life in light of eternity right. because it matters always, always. And so there you have it, folks. We have covered all 10 of the Oof. commandments of progressive Christianity. 10 weeks solid. Epic. It was epic. For us, that's definitely an epic ride. Yeah, ten, <laughs> ten, we, I mean, we were in the midst of a, of a pandemic. Uh, I think we were, we were still under lockdown when we started this series. Yes, we yeah, were. We, we, were. Started, we started recording these things from our respective closets. Yeah, we were. We still at home. Yep. That's right. And so we had we didn't know what if it was end in sight for this uh, this lockdown quarantine. And since then we've um, had some some um, opportunities to get out a little more. We're meeting for worship now and things like that. But um, the reality is we know that our, most of our audience probably leans toward what Dave and I kind of believe ourselves. But we we talk about these things because these arguments are not isolated to Gully's book. These are these are believed in a lot of different circles, and there's even other manifestations of it that we didn't even cover in this in this series. Um, but we felt like this is important for us, so we know how to answer our neighbors and friends when they bring things like this up. And so I hope that you've learned some things through this series and um, encourage you one final time, just go back to the scriptures and believe what God's word teaches us. And if you don't know, ask somebody to help you understand it so you can have the right perspective for the sake of your life lived well this side of heaven and the next. All right, we want to thank everyone for joining us today. We have wrapped up yet another episode. So thank you for listening. Thanks for hanging with us. 
please give us a big fat like. Yes. Subscribe. Please like us. Please. Please. We're insecure. <laughs> um, no, do it. Do it because it helps other folks find our podcast. Yes. And give us a review. Give us some five stars, all that kind of good stuff on whatever platform you listen to Footnotable. And next week, we are going to get into a whole brand new topic. Yes. Because we're finally done, done. with this book by, by Kruger and by Gully. And so we're going to start talking about things floating around in cyberspace, information, disinformation, and its pull on the church today. Yes. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do a few episodes on that. We're not going to go into any details. No spoilers. Not yet. Because we want you to we want you to tune in. That's right. Uh, so we are shifting gears. We're going to get onto some more topics, mm-hmm. but some things that are very much in the media today, and quite frankly, they need to be addressed. Concerning, yes. And so we need to have some good conversations on those. So do join us next week as we get into those. Yeah. If you want to follow Footnotable on social media, be sure to check out our church's webpage fbcbr.com or find us on twitter facebook and instagram at fbcbr if you're just so inclined to follow orrin and myself on social media well you can do that we'd love to have you Uh, our information is listed in the show notes Mm -hmm. so until then y'all have a good week bye-bye stay healthy